His name was Dr. Victor Frankel. Uh, Victor found himself in a place that he never wanted to be. He found himself in a, in a prison. But it was not like most prisons that you and I think of today. It was otherwise known as a concentration camp. And Victor Frankel was there because he was a Jew. That's the only reason he was there. And he had heard about those that had gone into this place and none of them that he knew of had ever come out. And Victor Frankel started looking at people. He started looking at people and he started looking in their eyes just to see if there was one thing. And this is where he started to study the human mind. He started to study where he, after getting out of, after being liberated, he went on to get his doctorate. He went on to study about the human body and immunity. But he said there is a connection between a human's mind and health and immunity. And there was one gentleman that was a prisoner with him that he never forgot about. This man, as the war was coming to an end, this man uh, said, you know what, we're going to be liberated on this certain date. I I know that it's going to happen. I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it will happen on this day. That day was March 31st, 1945. And weeks were were coming up to that, and and everybody inside the concentration camp knew that something was happening. Everybody outside the concentration camp definitely knew that something was happening, that the Germans were losing the war. The Allied forces were winning. They just didn't know the date. But this gentleman inside said, it's going to be March 31st, so two weeks out. Everything was fine. This gentleman, from what Frankel could tell, this guy was in good health for being in a concentration camp. One week out, everything was good. The day before, everything was good. March 29th, great. March 30th is great. Then the day comes. April the 1st. Everyone is still in the concentration camp. And April the 1st, this man is dead. Why? Frankel would state this later. Those who know how close the connection is between the state of the mind of a a man, his courage and hope are lack of them and the state of immunity and of his body will understand that the sudden loss of hope and courage can have a deadly effect the ultimate cause of my friend's death was that he expected liberation and that expected liberation did not come and he was severely disappointed
And from that, he died. Today, I, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture, and it is a prayer. It is a prayer that Paul wrote to the people at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. We will read this. I'll read it aloud for us. You read it uh, in your copy of God's Word, or you read it uh, from the screen behind me. But as I read it, I want you to to think about something. I want you to think about that one word, hope. And we're going to walk through this passage because this whole prayer is a prayer of hope. And there is hope for you and a hope for me today. And I want us to key in on three reasons for hope. I read verse 15 down through the end of the chapter in verse 23. For this reason, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we see this passage this morning, as we see your word, may it come alive. May we understand. God, give us eyes that can see these spiritual truths. Give us ears that can hear these spiritual words that we might understand, that we might live differently because without you, ultimately there is no hope. Ultimately, we will find ourselves just like that unnamed friend who died in prison. And that is exactly where we will die. So, Father, might we see this hope this morning as we have come to celebrate you, the risen King. I ask it in your Son's name. Amen. Do you have hope? We're going to look at... uh, couple of reasons, three reasons this morning about hope, but just that question, that, that, that word, hope, do you 
have hope. Hope for this week coming up. Hope for for the month of April, for the year of 2015. Is there hope in you? Hope. No matter if you look at uh, all those zeros to the left of the decimal in your bank statement, and there's still what, uh, eight days, ten days left of bills in the month? Do you have hope? Or you leave that parking lot that you go to every single day, I mean nine to five, five days a week, You are there, you pull up into the same spot, you back out of it at the end of the day, and you're thinking, is there there any meaning to why I pull into this parking spot and pull out of this parking spot every day? Do you have hope? Hope, no matter if your boss hates you, or you hate him or her? Do you have hope no matter if you hate your teacher or she or he hates you? She or he loves you. Do you have hope? I'm telling you, there is hope for you. There is hope for me. Or Do you have hope? I... I went, made a hospital visit this past week, and I was just reminded as I took the elevator up after floor after floor after floor, and I was thinking about all the rooms on every single one of those floors and all the people that are in those rooms. Do they have hope? Do you have hope when you sit in front of the doctor and the doctor uses that C word that we all hate? We don't even want to pronounce it. It's cancer is their hope there is hope there there is hope so as we walk through this prayer you and I must understand that some 2,000 years ago this prayer was written this prayer was stated yet it remains for you and it remains for me today because there is hope so let's look at these reasons this morning The first reason, there is a reason for hope today for you and for me, for us, because of your faith and because of your love. If you look there, Paul records these words. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. He he might enlighten you your eyes, the eyes of your heart, that you might know the hope with which He has called you. The reason, the first reason that is there in those verses, in verse number 15 and following, is that He says, you have faith, Ephesus. I've never seen you. He's never seen him at this point. I've never seen you, but I've heard about you. I've heard that there is this faith in you. And there is this love. Paul understood He understood that there was a right relationship with this church, with this body, with God. That that vertically, that they had a right relationship with Him. And then horizontally, they loved those that were 
around him. And you say, Brian, okay. But you're really not connecting with me because, you know, there were a lot of us that hoped last night that Kentucky won. And there were a lot of us that hoped another team won that would have taken Kentucky's place last night. Wisconsin did win. There's a lot of us that hope that our football team goes undefeated. There's a lot of us that hope that we win the lottery. There's a lot of us that hope. What in the world is this definition of hope? Because in the English language, it's not for certain. You know, we don't have a good word in English that would define the word in the language that this letter was written in. Because the letter that was written in, that the language that this was written in, the word hope was a surety. It, it was certain. It, it was certain that these things would come about, that they would have hope because of this. It, it was not, well, I hope that it doesn't rain on Easter Sunday. I, I hope, I don't know. It was certain. And because of this certainty, Paul used it to encourage a people that needed encouraging. And you and I are in that same boat. We need encouraging. And there is hope, certainty. There's hope, certainty for you and for me if you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that relationship vertically between man, between you and between God, between you and Jesus is correct, there is an opportunity, a possibility that you and I can also have a great relationship horizontally with those around us. And that's called love. You say, Brian, I'm not there. I don't have that relationship. Well, stay with me. Stay with me for just a moment because there's still hope for you and hope for me and there's hope for us because we need to see the second reason of this hope. Not only do we see that there's a hope today because of one's faith and because of one's love, but there is hope today because of this calling on your life. Paul's praying for these people. God, please give them a spirit of wisdom. God, please open their hearts, open the eyes of their hearts that they might be able to see. God, that they might be able to know what is the hope to which you have called them. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? There are three what's right there. In those, in those few phrases, there are three what's. What is the hope of this calling? What are the riches of His inglorious inheritance? of His glorious inheritance, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power. There's a hope for you and for me because God has called you to something. He's called you to something so much greater than a 9-to-5 job, so much greater than good news or bad news, 
so much greater than even this life. There is a calling on you and there is a calling on me for us, for you, to be His. I don't know how many times I've read this passage. I've preached through this book a number of times. I have read through it so many times. And I have never, up until last week, as I was thinking about what I was going to be preaching, the last few weeks actually, what I was going to be preaching, and I read this passage that did this one thing jump out. And, and I, there's two things in this passage that I have not been able to just totally grab a hold of and, and totally fully understand because I've never seen them before. And, I, and I've, as I said, I've looked at it 20, 30 times and talked through it a number of times, read through it. And here it is. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance? That His is not the church at Ephesus. That His is not yours or mine. That His is God's. You and I have hope because you and I are His inheritance. You're his inheritance. You're like, all right, try to, let, me un, let me try to unpack that for you. God created every single thing in six days. In six days, he created everything from light and darkness. He created everything from uh, mountains and seas. He created those valleys. He created all types of animals. And on the sixth day, he created something that he said was very Good. It was different from every other part of creation. All the other creation was good, but this was very good. Because in this creation, in Adam and also in Eve, he placed in all of us a soul. He placed in all of us something that he did not place in any other aspect of creation. Something that yearns. For something more. Someone more. And the only person, the only thing that can feel that aspect of creation of your soul is Him. Now you and I, we try, oh, we try so hard to put all different kinds of things in that place. But there is only one key that fits that so-called door. There is only one thing that will fill your soul. Every other thing is lacking. Solomon, the, the, the wisest man that ever lived, the richest man of his day for sure, if not the richest man that ever lived, he tried his whole life to fill his soul. He tried his job, and some of us today try that. He was a workaholic. He worked and worked and worked. He built castles and he built uh, places for his horses. He built pools. He, he built all kinds of homes, buildings. And yet he said, that's like chasing after the wind. He said, you know what? All right, workaholic doesn't work, so let me try something else. So what did he do? He tried entertainment. He had folks come into his palace every single night. He had a concert. He was a front row seat, and it was there every single time. 
not there. Let me try comedy. Comedy, not there. Let me try women. Not there. Everything that he tried, he said these words. It is chasing after the wind. Vanity upon vanity. But there is hope. Because there is one who will fill that void. And it is His inheritance, you and I are His inheritance, trying to grasp this, that there is something greater and something more is you just resting and you understanding. Understanding words like this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God states this. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. And for you, and you, and you, and me, and, and you. He, he knows the plans that He has for every single one of us. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Plans for prospering. To give you a good future. And, catch this word, a hope. Or maybe there are words like, what David had in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 13, down through verse 17. says, for you formed me. David's crying out. He's praying back to the Father. He says, for you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was uh, being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. In your book were written every one of them. God knows every single day that he has for you. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. This week I had a, uh, an interesting phone conversation with my brother slash cousin. Those of you that don't know, I had a cousin that came to live with us since the time that he was in the fifth grade. And he's more like a brother than a cousin. Uh, but he called me and he, he said this. He said, Brian, I need to ask you a... Uh, a weird question, and I said, okay, what is it? He said, uh, if I die, it's going to be good, right? If I die, will you execute my will? I don't know what's in it for me. No, I, I said, sure, I, I, I will. And we had a long conversation. He, he, he told me some of the things that were in it, and he said, and if, if my dad... Um, does not want to care for my two girls, will you and Paige take care of them? And I said, yeah, if my dad's off his rocker and needs to go to the crazy house because two of his grandkids, you know, he doesn't want to take them in, which is ludicrous. My dad does anything that his grandkids want. Um, I said, yeah, we'll take care of them. And he went on, and I was like, you know, I didn't think about having that conversation this week, but, but it made me think about this. There's an inheritance for those two little girls, for Jennings and Sims Tillman. There, there's an inheritance that their dad and their mom are going to give them. But how much greater is this inheritance 
that He has given us. Paul speaks of this inheritance a little closer to the beginning of this letter. In verse number 3 of chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in Him, in Christ. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth in Him. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Catch verse 12. So that so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You're like, that whole passage, what's it like? Here's what's it like. It's like you are walking around a car lot. There's this... There's I mean, there's 15, 20 cars every row. There's 25, 30, 40 rows of cars. And I mean, they have every color that you would like. And you're looking at this window sticker, and you're looking at that window sticker, and you're looking at the next window sticker. And what do they do? They tell you, here's what it has. It's got automatic windows. Check. AC. Check. Premium sound. Check. 22-inch 22 22-inch 22 rims. Check. Y'all are supposed to laugh, but you didn't. That's all right. We'll keep moving on. But all of those, it's, it's quite all right. All of those things, all of them, have been checked for you and for me. It is your inheritance. It is my inheritance. But, Brian, I thought you said this is talking about God's inheritance. It is. See, he's given you everything so that He will have everything. When God created you, He formed you. He didn't mess up. When He created you, and He formed you, and the personality that you have, and the hair color that you have, and all the different characteristics that you and I have, He knew that you were to be His. And because you're His, because I'm His, there's hope. There's hope. Yeah, we can't change the mess-ups and the, the wrong choices and the wrong words, the wrong actions, the wrong steps from yesterday, from last year, from last whenever. But because 
he is who he is and you are his. He says, hey, your future has hope. And I'm not saying this just as some pie in the sky that everything is going to be great and, and glorious from this point forward. No, you're going to walk through some stuff. And you're not even going to know it's coming. Because you are going to sit in front of a doctor one day maybe and, there, and that C word is going to come up. You are going to be hit by somebody just like one of our members were hit this past week and just out of nowhere just came inches away from their life being taken. And you won't even know it. But you're his. And because of that, there's hope. Third reason and final reason this morning is toward the end of this prayer. You and I have hope for today because of the work that he did in Christ. Let me read it, say a few statements, and I will close. What is this immeasurable greatness? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working, the working of his great might that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, when he seated him, Christ, at his right hand in the heavenly places? When he seated him far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God put all things under his feet and God gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The third reason is the work that he did in Christ. The picture as Paul finishes the prayer is a wedding. This wedding is a special wedding. It's a wedding like no other wedding. And every man and every woman, every boy, every girl that bows the knee, that confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior is the bride. They are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And we await the groom who is Christ. At our weddings, the groom stands up front and the bride is ushered in. And everybody's eyes are turned and focused on the bride. The the groom literally, I mean, he, I've been the one who has been over a number of weddings and uh, nobody pays attention to the groom. He has to be there for this thing to uh, come to finality and come to a closure, but everybody's eyes are on the bride. And they focus on the bride. And as she walks down the aisle, everybody's eyes are on her. But not at this wedding. No. No, the bride 
is here. The bride is all of Christianity. Ages past, present, and future, we are all there. And our eyes are totally focused on one, the groom. Why? Because he's our gift. He's our gift. God is giving him to us. And when we receive him, we're changed. And we're just like him. In all of His splendor, in all of His majesty, in all of His glory. That is what Paul is speaking of. And that is the greatest hope that you and I could ever have. Because one day, when all the struggles of today, when all the struggles and the aches and this body fails and this attitude and all those around us Just don't get it. There's one. There's one. Who has been given to us. And will be changed. You don't have to leave here today without hope. Because there is hope. There is great hope. Maybe you have not possessed it. Maybe you have not applied it. But there is hope. And you and I must. Because there's no plan B. This is the plan of Almighty God. You and I must tell everyone of this hope. Heavenly Father, I bow. God, I am so thankful. Father, so thankful for what, Lord, you have done for me. Father, for us. God, there is uh, no way that I deserve it, that we deserve it. Father, I think of why you did it. You, You did it for us, yes, but even more, you did it for yourself. And that's not wrong because of how great you are and who you are. But God, I pray that every man and woman is here today, Lord, that, God, they have heard that. And they've allowed it, Father, that we've allowed it to sink in and we've allowed it to just penetrate our stiff, hard hearts. How much you love us. That we can make it through, not just today, that this week, but, Father, that we can make it through. To see you, to stand in your presence. Father, might that change our attitude and our actions for today.